Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show and helping us have a fantastic month of March. Uh, record download numbers, downloaded in 41 countries around the world now, which is awesome. So thank you so much for that. Please, if you're listening, if you haven't reached out, I would love to hear from you. Get your feedback, see what you like and don't like about the show so we can continue and improve the product that we're giving to you guys. On today's episode, I have Dr. J. Cho, DDS. He went to UCLA for dental school and he's been out for a couple of years now and he's doing fantastic work, guys. A lot of CE, he's doing implants, he's doing third molar surgery, uh, a lot of advanced restorative work, some periodontal surgery. And, uh, you know, we have a good session here. We chatted out a lot about dentistry, what procedures we enjoy doing and don't enjoy doing. And uh, Dr. Cho has a lot of really good tips and actionable information that I think a lot of you guys will find useful. Uh, especially if you're a dental student, uh, please check this one out because he talks about the amount of CE that he did during dental school, uh, which really set him apart and which really set him up for success after graduating. So I think uh, a lot of good information here for everyone. So please enjoy listening and uh, we'll catch you guys again next week. Take care. Hello and welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high quality and high value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of a background about yourself, sort of um, like what made you get into dentistry and then like, where you ended up going to dental school and uh, sort of, um, you know, talk to, talk to us a little bit about like your first couple of years of working now. Uh, well, um, my uncle is a uh, prominent dentist in South Korea and, you know, um, uh, growing up watching him, I always wanted to be a dentist and I thought what he was doing was pretty cool. You know, he was respected. Um, by a lot of people he knew and we knew um, and uh, I thought the profession of dentistry was pretty noble you know you could uh, take people out of pain give them their smiles back improve their quality of life and at the same time you know the, um, the allure of working nine to five and being able to support your family and live comfortably uh, I thought that sounded pretty good so uh, I always wanted to be some kind of a doctor so I yeah. thought, hey, dentistry sounds good. So <laughs> I always wanted to be a dentist as, as far as I can uh, remember. Um, I guess I'm kind of weird like that. but uh, Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, I went to uh, dental school at UCLA, and this is my uh, second year out. Awesome. And um, so like, were you living in uh, like California at the time, or what made you decide to go to UCLA? Oh, yeah. I was living in uh, California at the time, uh, in Riverside, California. It's just about like an hour or so away from L.A. Yeah. I applied to a lot of schools along the East Coast, uh, you know, Midwest, uh, West Coast. I think I applied to about 15. Yeah. Um, but my dream school was UCLA always because um, I had always heard that uh, UCLA was number one school. Um, and the cost of tuition and the location, the weather, you know, and my yeah. parents being in LA, um, that, that all just made it a no brainer for me when they called. That's awesome. And did you, uh, did you get to uh, see much basketball out there when you were like studying there? Or? So I get this question all the time, you know, <laughs> living in LA, studying in LA must be great. And you, you must have gone to the beach all the time, enjoyed yeah. <laughs> a lot of, you know, movie stars done all these things. <laughs> You know, actually, that's not true at all because going to dental school, at least for the first couple of years, D1, D2 years, I was like miserable. It's so busy. You know, I'd be going to school at like seven in the morning, coming home at uh, like one or 2 a.m. after studying. Yeah. Um, that was like a daily routine. And on weekends, um, you know, I was studying. Uh, we weren't all like that, but uh, I guess, you know, there are people who are a lot better than me at uh, managing time and a lot faster <laughs> readers, better studiers. Yeah. I just wasn't like that. I, I basically lived out of school in the library. Yeah. I was the same. I procrastinated a lot. Every, everyone thought I was really smart because I was always in the library, but <laughs> I wasn't always uh, actually studying. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I asked because, um, so I'm up in Toronto right now and um, 
Sounds cold. Yeah, we it's cold, and also we have um, like Norman Powell plays for like Toronto Raptors, and he went to US, UCLA. Absolutely. Uh, he did four years there, I think. So he would have been there probably at the same time you were sort of... Uh, that's right. That's right. I went to his uh, senior game, actually. The oh, nice. Senior farewell game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. I think uh, Kevin Love went there too, right? I don't know if probably before you were there. That was before my time. Yeah. My little yeah, brother went there Yeah, also, he's been in, so in the was his time. <laughs> that's awesome. So um, you sort of uh, finish up dental school and then um, and some of that, you know, it's like a big problem for everyone, right? Like you're kind of coming out of down school. You're not sure. Like, am I going to do like GPR? Am I going to do like a residency? Am I going to stay like in my hometown, move to like where maybe opportunities are a little bit uh, right. more readily available. So what was like your mindset, like coming out of down school in terms of what you wanted to be doing or like where you want to be living and just talk us through that a little bit. Um, you know, I didn't really, um, I didn't really think too much through like, uh, at the time I was with this girl and, um, she had just gotten into veterinary school. So, um, I didn't really think twice I wanted to be with her and I was just going to be where she was and, uh, just get a job. Um, so I knew that and I started building my portfolio, uh, starting, I think, uh, D3 years. So I was taking pictures of everything. Uh, yeah. So I was taking pictures of the clinic. Um, I was going to photography classes. I was taking uh, advanced general industry courses. Wow, during for dental school. Um, and I really took my third and fourth years as my residency years. I try to I try to study everything. Um, on weekends, I was going to CEs with a practicing dentist, uh, just learning up everything, and adding that to my resume and. Um, Starting D4 year, I think by uh, December and January, I was applying for jobs. Wow, nice. And uh, I secured my job January of my D4 year. So I knew where I was going, uh, coming out. That's awesome. So what gave you like that drive? I mean, um, not many dental students are obviously like attending like CE courses and stuff like during dental school. Uh, where did you get that sort of like uh, motivation and drive to sort of start doing that kind of stuff and having that awareness that like, it's going to make you sort of stand out or like refine your skills beyond what dental school is teaching you. Well, you know, for me, um, I don't really like to compete with other people. I, I, I hate the competition really. And, yeah. um, but I do want to do the best that I can and, um, going to those CE classes and learning new things. I really feel like that's a way to improve myself. And, uh, by doing that, I can provide better service to the you know patients that I see. So um, I don't know. I I really hate uh, half-assing anything at all, um, um, and I try to carry that into uh, like everyday practice. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so, what kind of stuff like were you like um, say like in like uh, D four when you say you're doing some classes on weekends and stuff? Um, did you have it? Was it like targeted? Like, you know, I like endo or I like implants or, or you kind of just doing a bit of, a bit of everything just to get a little bit of a taste and see what's out there. Well, um, the feeling that I got, um, was that I wanted to be, um, you know, kind of a comprehensive dentist and I didn't want to just give up on something yet. Um, what I had always heard was like some dentists out there, they don't ever do molar endo. They don't ever do third molar extractions. They don't ever do any kind of extractions at all, or yeah. they don't do implants. They don't do this. They don't do that. I'm like, well, then what are you doing? <laughs> you know, maybe all you're doing is like uh, fillings and crowns. And, you know, some people are really successful like that. Yeah. But I didn't want to just rule things out. Uh, and let's be honest in dental school, you don't get to do a whole lot of those things and you don't for really sure. know if you like them or not. So I, I just wanted to be ready. I wanted to be ready for anything and everything. And so I was taking everything that I could. I was going to a lot of implanted classes, uh, on weekends. I was going to, um, you know, like a digital dentistry, like Sarah CAD cam classes. Yeah. Uh, I was taking, um, like endo, um, just anything and everything, even how to do better fillings, you know, new materials. I was going to, uh, um, you know, like industry sponsored ones that the, the whatever corporation is putting on, you know, yeah. Patterson, uh, you know, and I kind of learned early on that you got to take those things with a grain of salt because for sure, it's like uh, a long, big, long commercial. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's awesome. So, um, 
when you were looking for your job, was there certain like criteria that like you were aware of that like I need to look out for this? I need to like make sure I get a, you know x amount of um, like pr- production or um, like certain type of position. Like because uh, I know a lot of, like myself like when I when I I started in Australia, so I started in Melbourne, Australia, and then I got back to Toronto, and I didn't know like much about like in terms of what kind of jobs I should be looking for. And like online, I was like trying to search, I'm like, what am I looking for? Like, what's the contract supposed to be like? And there wasn't like a whole lot of resources out there. So um, when I first, my first two jobs, I kind of like got them like right off the bat as soon as I got my license. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like I'm going to start like running with things now. And then like a month in, I'm like, man, it's like so quiet. Like it's not busy. And like you start to pick up on certain things that necessarily aren't good or a good environment to be in for a new grad. Not very helpful for your learning and, and growing. Um, so I had to learn the hard way and then like, you know, get you know, leave those jobs and find new positions. So where did you get that sort of um, like knowledge to like decide like this job is good even before you finish dental school to be like, this is a good environment for me? You know, that's a really good question. And um, because of that, that uncertainty and not knowing even where to look for how to get a job and there's just so much goes into it, you know, like how to get a malpractice insurance and yeah, yeah. what's of their pay and no one tells you that. Yeah. You know, school doesn't teach you that. So, um, what I did was I just talked to everybody that I could mm-hmm. asked everybody. I asked a uh, business owner, Dennis, I asked, uh, you know, recent grads, um, you know, like if you don't mind sharing, like what is your pay? And I, yeah. and I talked to people in private practice and people in corporate dentistry, people doing, you know, public health industry, all, all kinds of different people. Nice. And Very comprehensive. Right. And, uh, I started gathering like a list and, um, the conclusion I came to was, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to all aspects. Um, but I could get, um, you know, like better grasp on what's like a fair contract. Yeah. So when I started applying for, uh, jobs, um, you know, when the pay came into play, um, like I could, um, kind of better hold my position and not just, you know, jump at the first contract that said, Ooh, $500 a day. <laughs> Great. You know? I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, and like where you're working right now, um, it's a small town in Idaho. <laughs> right. <laughs> gonna try right. So what's like the, um, like this weekend I just took a course, uh, I did an oral surgery course, like a hands-on sort of, um, course. And obviously depends where you're working, right? Like if you're like downtown New York or LA or Toronto, uh, there's going to be specialists like every corner. So like, it's kind of hard to necessarily justify like, yeah, I took on this case knowing that maybe I could just went down the street and refer to like a specialist to do it. Right. So where you're working is that I'm assuming, um, obviously we don't know too much about the area, but is there a smaller area where like you don't necessarily have access to like all the specialists right off the bat? So you're kind of taking on more cases yourself. Um, um, that, like, it, it kind of is like that. We do have specialists, um, but they tend to be busier, uh, harder to access, and uh, some specialists we just don't have. Yeah. Um, but we do have oral surgeons here. Uh, endo is booked out all the time, but we do have an endodontist. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't really necessarily mean that uh, I won't give things a try. Um, yeah. But what I do make sure... I think I would just do this the same whether I was in LA or I was in, uh, you know, even like remoter places. I would just let them know the, the risks and benefits and always have the option of going to the specialist on hand and just be honest with them. Yeah. You know, um, and then I let them know that the only advantage of maybe sticking with me for this procedure that could be seen by a specialist is that uh, it's just lower cost than I can see right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Because that's a great tip too, because a lot of people, get hung up on that and maybe don't give the option or, or aren't open and upfront about like all the potential risk. And if something goes wrong and you get stuck, like then, then like it's too late, right? You're in trouble. Um, that's funny. Cause it was funny. Like we, in this course, we we're just talking with like the other dentists and I always like catching up cause like our job is pretty lonely. Like you just go to work and sitting by yourself kind of, and like you don't get to interact with like a lot of uh, colleagues like that regularly. Right. Absolutely. So, um, so it's fun. always like, um, on these courses that you're doing the CE courses, like you're over lunch and stuff, you're kind of sharing stories. And, uh, we had someone down from, uh, Chicago, I believe. And, um, yeah, we're just talking about like malpractice in the U S and how such a like big ordeal and how expensive like your insurance, like premiums and stuff. Are. So as a new grad, like, I mean, I, I'm going through that. Everyone's go through, everyone goes through that. Obviously like 
where do you find like the confidence to take on like like how do you like safely like push your comfort level with certain procedures um obviously i've seen your page like you're doing a lot of like endo you're doing some implants now and and stuff like that so where how did you start to you know just feel out your comfort level after you graduate from school uh to be like yeah i can take on like this upper six or yeah i can start doing this um and like doing it safely knowing that like there is a potential for like things to go wrong and and the and all that goes with that that's a really good question um i'm not sure i have a really good answer for that um uh i guess the best way to, i the best way to put that would be that i'm kind of stupid a lot of times <laughs> um you know and the saying goes is if you're stupid you're brave yeah right? I'm so in the same boat i think <laughs> Right. You know, there's all these things that I want to do, like um, um, coming out of school, doing a molar endo and rotary endo and, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, thirds extractions and implants and all that stuff that you want to do, but aren't necessarily taught best on how to do it. Um, so that's why I took all the classes and um, in school, out of school, after school. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, once... I had attended enough of them and it felt kind of repetitive and I felt like, you know, um, I'm pretty sure I can do it. It was just then doing it. Yeah. So, and, uh, I guess if I could give an advice to myself, um, if I were in a situation where I didn't know where to start, I would be, um, if I could, do it and manage the complications or at least have a referral source and not really do the patient harm uh, where it would be irreversible, you know, um, where it would not be irreversible, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Then, you know, I can, I can give it a try. Give it a try and see how it goes. Right. So, so, um, talk me through, like, I remember, I'll never forget this. Um, So like I said, I kind of started off and like I jumped into like two positions and um, it was like my first maybe like two weeks working and I obviously like transitioning from like graduating by the time you get your license and stuff, it takes like a couple months. So like you're, you're not necessarily like warm either. You got, you're a bit cold when you start working and you sort of warm up a little bit again. Right. And uh, it wasn't super busy and I was like, you know, like not even money wise, I'm like, I'm not learning anything. So a patient came in and needed endo on like a lower, lower six. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. Like, I'll, I'll try it out. I've done a fair few endos in school. Like, it's something that I, I do enjoy. So I'm in this new office. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like brand new systems. We have like rotary, at, uh, like uh, pro taper golds, which we didn't get trained on in school. So I'm like in the office, like Googling like technique cards and like, I'm like okay, so I like do like prep the coronal part and then I go like crown down and kind of thing. And my assistant's like new and she doesn't know how to use like the equipment and all this stuff. So it's like, it's like a bad situation to be in, like to start with. So I'm in there, I'm doing my thing. I'm like, I know it's not going well, but like, I know like I haven't screwed up anything either. Like, like you said, I'm like in that no harm zone. I'm just like struggling. Right. right. Um, so I close like the first appointment, it's like hour and a half. I don't finish. I'm like, okay, come back. We'll finish up next time. And then I finish up, I, I optrate, which I shouldn't have optrate. And then I look at it. I'm like, oh, it's like the distal was like three mils short. The measles were like two mils short. So I'm like scratching my head and you got to make that like gut call. Like, do I, like, what do I tell the patient? Like, we just did this. Like, it sucks. Um, do you want me to redo it? Do you want me to send you off? So I tell the patient, I'm like, listen, I did this. I think it should be done better. So I'm not going to like charge you for this endo. I'll send you to an endodontist and then they'll, they'll, they'll manage it. So luckily the patient was pretty cool with it, but it's like a good learning experience. So after that though, like for a couple months, I was like a bit timid to like do endo again. Cause I had like that. My first experience was like so bad doing it. Um, so I want to see like when you were first out of school and like you faced like a challenge, maybe not that bad as, as what I went through, but um, in your own way, I'm sure you had some struggles as well as everyone does. How did you sort of like get back on the horse, so to speak, and like try that procedure again a second time, knowing that the first time didn't go necessarily too well? Well, you know, funny that you mentioned that, but I don't, I don't know anyone that, um, that doesn't have like really bad endo story. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, being slow with endo is not a crime and, um, upgrading short is not really a crime. Um, you tried your best, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it, 
at the end, you uh, made the patient feel cared for, saying that you weren't going to charge the patient and that you were offering a specialist referral. I do, I do the same thing. Um, uh, you know, last year, um, I, I tried my best, but I think I uh, separated a file like twice. Um, always an MB2. I freaking hate MB2. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of those really calcified. At least, ones. Not, at least you find it. So that's good. Yeah, I don't even find it after times. So like, oh, I was a three rooted three canal. Like, I don't. I, I know what I did wrong now, but you know, when it when it breaks, you're like, oh my god, I was just yeah. about to. That because that's always the last canal I, uh, you know, uh, instrument and yeah, optrate right after. I'm like, I was so close. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, I I let the patient know, like, hey, I I I try my best. Um, yeah. So I'm going to send to a specialist now, and but you know uh, we'll take care of you. We'll we'll eat the cost. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had a patient get really get mad about that, you know. Um, and that doesn't really scare me away. Um, uh, what kind of gets me to the next endo patient? Maybe I'll take a couple of these break, but you know what kind of gets me on the next molar endo is like you know the the previous successes i had before like you know this is just uh like a hiccup yeah because um, it uh, happens to endodontists too right they separate files as well you gotta think of it that way i guess like it's i have to believe that it happens <laughs> so what did you because you said uh you know what you did wrong like what uh, what tipped you out for that like what do you think happened at it uh absolutely what i what i did wrong there was not really letting the file guide me, you know, mm-hmm. um, with the with the rotary system that I was using. Um, I knew that it was really calcified. I should have been more patient. I should uh, I should have instrumented more with the you know undersized file and the hand files, yeah. But I was kind of being lazy. <laughs> um, I didn't know I was being lazy, but looking yeah. back, I was being lazy. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So what's your, like, what's your favorite, um, like part of dentistry right now that you're enjoying the most that like you see on your schedule, you kind of like low key, like excited about like, Oh sweet. I get to like do this one. Um, lately what, I what I enjoy the most is, um, cosmetic dentistry and, uh, um, maybe some, uh, implant cases like implant uh, assisted dentures. Like oh, that. nice. You, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's what I, uh, I'm really excited about because, um, you know, patients really, really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's like a, one of the, I mean, dentures in general, like I remember even in like in dental school, like you do all this work for a patient. And then like, when you give them that, like that denture, even though it's like, you know, you know, it's not the best, like the denture is like compromised sort of in some situations, like the patients like always loved it. It was like the most like rewarding like when you deliver dentures and they like have like teeth and like they're so happy and like so I can imagine only like yeah even if it's gonna be like implant retained or so this is like more functional and quality of life it's gonna be better like that's pretty sweet for them and uh, so for the cosmetic stuff like what are you what have you been up to like what are you doing is it just like bonding or are you doing like veneers or well I I try to you know because there's so many things that you can do right I try to dab in a lot of them um, you know there's some you know, bonding, there's some crowns, there's some veneers, there's some implant cases, there's some uh, removable cases. Um, um, I think my favorite is probably the uh, bonding because it's just one appointment, you know, just one appointment. Yeah. And I always uh, take a before and after picture and um, I like to show it to the patients after the procedure is done. And, you know, a lot of them don't remember how they came in. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh, cool. Uh, they don't seem too excited. I showed them the before picture and they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, what do you mean? Start clapping. I did that for you. It's so demoralizing too. Like, because uh, on Sundays I worked like in an emergency office. So we had like a lot of like little fractures and stuff. So like I spend time, like I make it look so good. And then like, yeah. I'm like all proud. I'm like, oh, here's a mirror if you want to like have a look. And they're like, right. okay. You're calling assistance in the next room over. You yeah, exactly. <laughs> look what I did and the patient's like oh all right yeah they're like oh, okay cool thanks I'm like yeah. that's it like I just yeah. fixed your tooth like give me yeah. like something like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's awesome and <laughs> and um 
because you say you do like in uh, dental school, you're doing like a bunch of photography courses and stuff as well. What um, yeah, a bunch of them, but just as many as I could. Yeah. What uh, like setup do you have for like pictures and stuff? Because I just recently got like a macro lens and like a ring flash. So I'm play- like I, I don't have like a photography background at all, so I'm kind of just playing around and just copying well, whatever settings I find online. But uh, like, what are you doing? And uh, that's exactly what I have. And um, you know, uh, I don't know about dental school in Australia or Canada, but uh, United States dental school it really costs you an arm and a leg, and it's really debilitating financially. For sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and when I uh, decided I'm going to start recording all my, you know, procedures that I was doing, I didn't have the funds to do it, so I just got the the, the lowest end setup possible that was mm-hmm. clinically acceptable. So yeah, I got the like a used camera body, and I got a used macro lens, and uh, the ring flash. I got the uh, ring flash on sale on Amazon. Okay, is it like uh, that? Is it like a Japanese brand or something? No, because I bought one of those two. It was like one hundred and like twenty thirty dollars, like Canadian. I, so it wasn't that much at all. Yeah, it was. It was very cheap. Uh, overall, all my setup costs about uh, like eight hundred dollars or something like that. That's really good. Uh, which um, at that time, what it was like less than one third of what was really recommended to me in the other classes that I was taking. Yeah. And, um, you know, the whole thing was like a really nice lens, nice like body and uh, nice like a twin flash type of setup was just like not even thinkable. Yeah. I bought my, uh, yeah, I picked up my uh, macro lens use as well. Um, so I paid like uh, 500 for it. So it was pretty good. I thought, cause I yeah. think the, the new ones are like around 900 or a thousand. So uh, yeah. it's like a decent amount saved. Talk to me a little bit, because this is something like that I want to try and focus on, like myself. Um, like obviously, you come out of school and like, like maybe you're like tooth by tooth dentist. So like when you diagnose, you're like, okay, that one needs that. So you kind of like don't have that like comp- comprehensive treatment plan skills necessarily right off the bat. So when did you like? When did it click for you to like? Obviously, with like aesthetics um, and all that, like you need that more comprehensive treatment planning, and like the confidence to even like present it with like the higher price figure. Like when did that sort of like click in for you and you started like approaching it and, and doing it more often? Well, you know, that's, um, that's another really good point that you brought up. Um, so I had always heard that, you know, single tooth dentistry and, yeah. you know, problem focused exams, that's, uh, that's a big disservice to the patient. It's like going in for a complete health exam at a medical doctor's and all they want to talk about is your arm. Yeah. And, you know, but you might have a broken foot or, you know, like mental health issues, but they don't want to talk about that because they're yeah. not comfortable talking about it. So I was, I was thinking, okay, so I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to do comprehensive dentistry. So, um, fourth year I had an uh, opportunity to be part of, um, uh, advanced general dentistry. Um, it was like a mini residency type of thing at my school. It was like six months long. Yeah we go out to like an offsite clinic where we do comprehensive diagnosis and treatment planning just like that. And, uh, you know, we talk about the, the outside end industry, right? Like joints, muscles and everything else. And, uh, you start looking from outside in and you do the teeth very last. Um, that really helped. And, um, I was taking other courses after school and outside school. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I'm not, I'm still not very, uh, good, I would say, but I, I try and the business model that I have in my practice now, um, that they really reinforce the, uh, comprehensive dentistry, uh, model. So that helps too. Okay. We so really try to avoid the limited, uh, exam unless it's really patient driven. Yeah. So can you, like, if you don't mind like sharing, like, for example, you're seeing a new patient and, um, does a, does your hygienist like do like the you know, mouth series like all that stuff and then you come in or like how do you like how do you sequence the new patient exam? Right. So um, the guideline is if you see someone you know you take a look at their mouth and you don't see any like noticeable decay and they don't have any history of decay then um, you just take some bite wings and pano. Yeah. But uh, the type of patient pool that I see um, unless they're uh, uh, really little, um, you know, children or something like that. Yeah. These are type of patients that haven't been to dentist in two, three, four, five, ten years. So I, I really do, um, if the answers are like the filling out the forms, 
I take a full mouse series and a pano as like a standard. Then okay. once that's taken, um, I go in the room and start doing the exam. And then how do you approach like a comprehensive, like obviously like you know, most of us will come and like we'll do extra oral, intra oral, and then just like go into the teeth and like do charting and diagnosing all that. Right. Um, so can you like give, give some tips on like how, like as you're going through that step, you're thinking more comprehensively, like what are you looking for and what kind of stuff are you like mentioning to the patient after like you do that diagnosis? That's, that's going to be different and more comprehensive than like, oh, you have you know, a few cavities here, you need a couple of crowns, like that kind of thing. Um, so I, I like to have my perio charts in front of me. Um, so I have my periodontist, uh, or not period. I have a hygienist. <laughs> That's pretty fancy. Having <laughs> I, have my, I have my hygienist going in before me and she's doing, um, you know, period charting. Yeah. Now at the time she's making a note of, uh, immobility, furcation, you know, the bleeding spots and, um, just everything else then she gives me an update and you know the things that she saw uh what she thinks is going on and uh, her recommended treatment um you know so then i go in and and i just kind of confirm that and you know prescribe treatment there as far as perio um but uh, after i go in i you know like you said i just do the uh the extra oral intraoral I'm, I'm looking at you know the joints um muscles um, I try to palpate and see if there's any, uh, you know, um, anomalies going on. Mm-hmm. Um, then I go to the, you know, uh, intraoral to the oral cancer screening, like everybody else does too. And, um, go from, uh, you know, what my hygienist talked about and I'm, I'm looking at that to see, um, you know, yeah, like confirm it. Yeah. Right. Then, then go to the teeth. Um, I don't really know if I can find like a really good example for that. Um, like, I guess, uh, what I do see a lot is, um, you know, during the extra oral exam, I see people with like a really prominent jaw muscles yeah. and their clenchers. And, um, so if I see something like that, then I'm kind of anticipating like a bruxism and, you know, attrition and uh, maybe some fraction and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I kind of carry that thought into the mm-hmm. exam and um, let the play into what I'm telling the patient and coming up with the treatment plan. That's pretty cool. And are you doing anything with like, um, like sleep apnea and all that? I just feel like that's such an area that like, I know nothing about it. And like a lot of people are like doing now. And like, I just feel like it's one of those things that like, I don't even know what I don't know yet. Like I haven't even like started like looking right. into it at all. So um, I was fortunate to have my school teach uh, at least a few courses in that aspect uh, by no means am I an expert or my, um, you know, proficient in that area yet, but I try to dabble a little, um, if I notice, um, that, um, you know, patient looks like they might be like higher in BMI or, you know, the larger tongue yeah. and, or, you know, you notice right away that like all their tissues just looks like they could be interfering with, it, mm-hmm. um, you know, sleeping, then I'll, we have a orthodontist uh, in town yeah. that, that measures the um, you know the airway. He okay. has a machine to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty cool because um, in children, you know, really it's it's really prevalent um, and it really affects their behavior, right? Yeah, I've heard of yeah, right, uh, with the you know mandibular deficiency and things like that. So uh, I do work with him, and um, you know he'll give me the report back and what his recommendations are in in terms of. Uh, uh, what he can do orthodontically or suggest a surgery or something like that. Okay. Um, or sometimes I'll prescribe like a um, anteriorly positioned night guard. Uh, okay. So you do that. Right. Have you got good results with that or? Um, yeah. I mean, no one's come and like, you know, wrote me a thank you letter yet, but they're do much because i mean in school uh, it's like obviously like you do your own cleanings and stuff so you're you're more made periodontally like aware of like what's happening and then in australia too actually there's no like the hygiene model doesn't exist there so um like all my classmates that graduate with me like they do their own cleanings all the time and and do all that so i feel like now because the hygienist does all the cleanings and does the perio charting like the perio is like out of out of sight out of mind kind of like 
and I haven't really like focused much on it. Even like in like I'll, when I go in for an exam or a recall, like I'll ask like, how's the pockets? Like are things getting better or worse or staying the same? But in terms of like active treatment and then also um, like the periodont- uh, like periodontal plastic surgery side of things, like doing some like grafting or that kind of stuff. Um, Cause that stuff seems pretty cool and like pretty practical to learn, but I haven't like uh, looked into it that much. So like, have you done much with that side of things? Not, not really, I suppose. And I think you're more honest than most people in that uh, you just haven't dealt with it since, you know, getting out of school. Um, once I, you know, diagnose and treatment plan the perio side, my hygienist will see the patient and, and she'll do the, you know, the uh, scaling, replaning and all that. And uh, my standard of care really is uh, take a bite wings after Mm-hmm. Uh, the bite wing looks good and I go in and I do the hygiene check real quick in the brication area uh, and posteriors if that all looks good then that's it really um, I don't really worry um, too much about that stuff because my hygiene is pretty good yeah. but if we do have some non-healing areas of like really long pockets we do do some um, you know pocket reduction surgeries okay nice uh, we do some you know other perio surgeries uh, the last one that I did, well, not the last one, but um, the most memorable one that I did was uh, it was a guided tissue generation on uh, lower first molars. She had a class two frication. Yeah. Um, one went really well. One, not really, but better than before. So I guess that's mm-hmm. a win. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And did you, how did you like know how to do that? Did you take like CE for that or? Uh, no. Not, not really. Um, it's kind of hard to take CEs in perio. Yeah. Uh, what I found there's all these classes available for, you know, like, uh, implants and other things, but to get really good at perio, uh, I really don't know what the answer is. Like, uh, I, I, I remember in school we did, um, some, uh, grafting and we did some pocket reduction surgeries. Um, it was actually graduation requirements to do a certain number of surgeries. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, during third and fourth year. So yeah, that's because I think yeah we like our our extent of our period was just like scaling and root planing and just like monitoring. Like we didn't yeah. do any like flap surgery or like like reduction pocket reduction like you said or any like yeah. uh, guided tissue or bone regeneration and stuff. So it'd be cool to like get into that. But you said like you said it's hard to necessarily find maybe classes that teach right. You, right? So I just uh, combined what I knew from that and, you know, I had done a lot of uh, bone grafting and yeah. uh, socket preservation and ridge augmentation things, um, mm-hmm. you know, from the CEs that I learned and I was already doing that. So I just combined what I knew and, and exactly. gave it a try. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things too. I, uh, even if it's something like you haven't done before or haven't done necessarily, I feel like um, the hand skills are developing, right? Like you're getting comfortable, like doing things in the muscle if you watch someone do something, even like if you're just like on YouTube and watching like a like wisdom tooth surgery or something, um, you can know how to execute it now, which is cool. So you can like kind of try things, even though you haven't like had like formal like hands-on training. Um, right. So, so I, I still didn't feel too comfortable. So I, I asked, um, you know, Terry Donis, uh, like what their protocols are. Cause you don't know anything at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't know what the proper post-op is even. Yeah. So I, I asked him like, uh, Pretty much A to Z, like I was annoying the crap out of them. Uh, <laughs> kind of welcome. It's good that it. they're uh, giving you those answers, though. It's good that they're yeah, like they're, that. I'm really appreciative. Uh, I have a couple guys I always bug about. Um, there's a whole bunch of things about that, uh, mm-hmm. but I really didn't want to just to give up on those teeth and uh, you know just take them out or just let it go. So yeah, that's awesome. I wanted to at least give it a try. So that's cool because I, I mean, uh, mentorships like also another like you know topic that a lot of people are like wondering about or like looking for. So like, how's that been for you? Like, um, so in your practice that you work right now, um, is you're an associate or like have you got your own practice now that you're a couple of years in? Or so uh, I'm at a corporate dentistry right now. Um, I'm the only doctor there. Yeah. So some uh, you know strong mentorship. That's something that I wish I had a lot of times. Um, sometimes I'm glad that, uh, I'm, I'm the only one there so I can do, uh, you know, like what I want and do things the way I see best fit. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like, uh, you know, 
advantage and disadvantage type of thing. Yeah. So have you, like, how did you build those uh, relationships to, like the, with the specialists, like to get some of that mentorship? Oh, your- so yeah, really good question. The school I went to, um, the specialty rate is really, really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we have specialists in pretty much all areas. So uh, um, and a couple of those guys that I was talking about, they're uh, people who graduated a couple years before me that I had a really good relationship with. Okay, that's great. It's so interesting. Like in the U.S., I'm finding like a lot of dental students get into specialty programs like straight out of dental school. Yeah. Uh, we're like in, I feel like in like Australia, it was definitely not like that. Like you have to at least work for a few years. Um, it oh, might really? even, I think it might even be like a formal requirement. Like you need like at least like three years work experience or oh, wow. um, before you can apply. So like, cause like, what do you think about like, for example, I don't know, like orthodontists or uh, periodontists that like goes to dental school and straight specializes, but like they skip over like that general dentistry experience to be able to like interact with a general dentist later on. Um, or understand like where they're coming from with their cases. I think like there's definitely pros and cons to like both, but I, I can definitely see value in like working for a few years and then specializing. You know, I, I agree. Um, I guess um, there are advantages to going um, straight into school, um, you know, specialty programs. But on the other hand, I don't know. I guess uh, really it depends on which program, right? Um, I think for oral surgery, it, it's like four, four, six year programs. It's Do you long, really want to be out in general dentistry for four, five, six years and yeah. then <laughs> another four, six year programs? And how yeah. old are you now, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, but I do, I do think that endo and, uh, ortho can benefit some, uh, not, not so much even ortho, but endo for sure. Uh, if you're good, I really think that if you're a good general dentist, um, there's a greater chance that you'll be even better endodontist. Yeah, for sure. Because you understand like if it's worth it, if it's rest- like the restore- restorability side of things, like you have a good grasp on that, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, for sure. Just management of, um, you know, the, you know, not just the tooth, but the restorative materials and everything. Because endo does a lot. You know, yeah, uh, and I really think that uh, if you were a good general dentist, or if you're a good student in school, <laughs> general dentistry, there's a better chance that you'd be a good endodontist. And not only that, um, if you're a orthodontist who really understands like prosthodontic principles, then you'd be a better orthodontist. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be a good yeah. hybrid of specialties. I think. I really um, think that you know. Yeah. What about um? Did you like? How about yourself? Did you ever think of like specializing while you're in dental school, like, or, or do you still uh, think about it potentially, like in the future down the line, or? Not so much now, but in in school I did um I did think about oral surgery, um because I really like that uh, the surgical aspect of it, and I wanted to be, uh, you know fixing cleft palates and things like that for children. Yeah. And um, down the road when uh, I was really enjoying the clinic, I was thinking about uh, cross for a little bit. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, yeah. In school, like I was the same. I was really like oral surgery orientated and I like, really wanted to get into that. Um, but now like, I just love endo. I just like, I find it so, I know we talked about this on Instagram like when we, when we first started talking. Like it can be a frustrating uh, endeavor for sure. But um, I don't know. I just find it like so peaceful. Like you just put the rubber dam on. You're doing your own thing. It's like quiet. Like you can just focus on. And, uh, and I like what I like about endo is like there's like certain like defined like checkpoints. Yeah. Like you make your access. You find the canals. And like, that's like a win. And then you like sure. negotiate. You get your working length. Like that's a win. And then like it's like the, like the short little things that you can like aim for and then when you get it like you feel nice so um but definitely like yeah when it goes wrong it goes wrong it's pretty bad so um that's awesome and um do so do you have plans for the near future at all like to open up your own shop or anything like that is that something you've like put in uh any thought to or um i don't know um you know again with so much debt opening up another another venture like that you know um opening up my own clinic, it's such high risk thing. 
and just taking on more debt, uh, it could yeah. be potentially be uh, crippling and you know, like, yeah, uh, really no coming back from that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, well, I don't know. It's it's something that I don't know much about in running a business, um, so I'll have to do some research and look into it because the lure is there, right? Having your clinic uh, for sure, you know, yeah, building your, some equity and right and have your work be you know all going to you instead of having to share that with uh, you know others who invested and um, but uh, I don't know. The thought of uh, being like a um, like employee doctor for the rest of my life and not having to worry about that side, the thought is there too. Um, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think I mean even if it's like the like like trendy thing to do to like open a practice necessarily, like I think you have to like really see in yourself like what your personality type is. Um, obviously, like we just met, but you seem like someone who's like very like truly passionate about like clinical dentistry. Like that's like your thing that gets you. Um, that gets you excited and gets you up in the morning. So, um, some days, you know, some days. <laughs> and, um, so I, yeah, like it's tough. Like I, I know from us, like, yeah, for myself, like I, I think that's fun. Like I like that business side of things too. Like that excitement of like doing your own thing, being your own boss kind of thing. Um, but yeah, definitely I can, I, I can appreciate that it's not for everyone. And there's definitely like a lot of cons to it. Right. So, uh, maybe like the, 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 the ceiling can be higher, like, like uh, income wise, but like the, all the stuff that goes with it, I think you have to really see if like, it's worthwhile or not. Um, so fine, we'll just finish up. Um, obviously with my podcast that I, um, I've started like past few months, I meet everyone over Instagram. So I'll have like that Instagram connection always. Um, and I came across your profile like a few months back when we first met, like the really bored dentist. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Like when did you start that? Um, how did you get to like, like I, I like uh, meeting you now. Like I can see like you have that like <laughs> sarcastic sort of like humor maybe. So I don't know if like that's like a, <laughs> I don't know if that's like a sarcastic thing that you started. I don't know. But um, so yeah, like just tell me about your page a little bit. Cause you like, you obviously like you said you, you um, got into the habit of like documenting your cases, like in dental school and taking pictures of everything. Um, and you're posting up like awesome content, like very um, like educative and informative. Uh, so like a lot of people who like obviously are learning a lot of things on Instagram right now, like in that little dental community that we have going. So uh, what was like you're in and, and what made you sort of start it and actually like maintain it? Cause a lot of people obviously uh, might start it and kind of like fizzle out a little bit. Um, so I fought having an Instagram for a long time and uh, I, I didn't think that I would be having one. Um, but you know, when I, when I thought about building my own website for sharing content and portfolio, it just seemed uh, like too much work, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as if your, our job every day isn't too much work already. Yeah. So I thought, what is like the laziest way to just post <laughs> things and have like an online portfolio? And I thought uh, Instagram might be it. Yeah. So that's, that's how it started. I started that uh, last year, February or something like that. So it actually isn't very old. Yeah, no, it's been great. And um, have you had like uh, interactions with people like messaging you and like reaching out to you about your work and anything like that? Um, yeah, just um, just other dentists um, asking like what I did there and uh, you know like uh, like how I can help them. Um, so that's that's kind of cool. And I I do bug other dentists about um, you know how they did their. Uh, work in the photos that they share or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that there's a, a good community of sharing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's one of the great things and um, it brings like the, the profession together and people can like share ideas, learn from each other. Right. Um, so that's been great. Um, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. It's been great talking to you and, and learning about like, your journey and what you've been up to. Uh, I'm definitely impressed with... Uh, your like commitment to things and like doing all the CE courses and stuff during general school and like keeping that going. And, um, so really quickly before actually I let you go, just what's like sort of like your next step, like clinical wise, like, is there something that you want to get into? Um, like I noticed like you were taking some like implant courses recently. Um, maybe like you're trying to expand your implant sort of, um, like cases, like more difficult cases kind of thing. 
Um, so what's like the, you know, you know, next like two, three years, what you want to really like focus in on? Um, you know, interesting. You said, said that, um, I am taking those classes and I am starting to do more implants. Uh, eventually I want to get around to doing ortho and, but really, um, I think in the next couple of years, I want to get really, really good at doing uh, fillings and crowns. Um, I just had this conversation like two days ago uh, with another dentist. Yeah. And uh, we were arguing about what's arguably like the hardest procedure in dentistry. And I said fillings. Yeah. You know, um, getting the, getting MOD, 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 MOD context correctly is arguably harder than uh, sinking an implant in. Mm-hmm. and uh that's that's really i really think that you know uh, i have i've heard of like a lot of people they like yeah. it takes longer and it's harder to do like an mod than to place an implant like, uh, in an easy site yeah i really really think that a quadrant dentistry of mod 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 fillings you know um a lot of times you get you don't get paid at all like hardly anything at all mm-hmm. but to do them right i think it takes um, just a lot of knowledge and patience and doing things the right way and willingness to do it over. Um, so to really nail that down and have a system um, to do it better and more efficiently, I guess that would be the way to go and, and not have to take, you know, uh, two, three, four crown impressions. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wouldn't that be digital's coming? So, (laughs) for us lazy ones out here, I'm like, like when am I can I just get a scan so I don't have to pack cord? (laughs) It's it's not a good day if we're like a single crown. You're sitting there taking two, three impressions. Yeah, no, I understand. And um, do you are you like a rubber dam guy? Oh, I I'm a rubber dam guy, hundred percent. Yeah, I try to do rubber dam everything. I try to uh, prep crowns, rubber dam on if I can. Yeah. That's Love been it. like the best thing for me. Like my New Year's resolution, I was like, I'm gonna start like rubber damming. Like yeah. at least, like obviously endo, like you do obviously, but like restorations, I wouldn't do all the time. Right. I kind of got lazy with it. And for the past like month, I've been doing like pretty much every restoration with rubber dam, and it's like honestly, it's like life changing. Like I'm actually enjoying <laughs> it. Like you're not worried about like retraction. Like you're focused. Like you're focused in like a little area. Like yeah. you're like making arts. Like actually, like I'm like taking time, like doing some nice anatomy and like uh it's like yeah your quality of life is like really improved with it so so it's good i'm gonna hopefully keep doing that too but i agree with you like um having seen some like recalls now because i've seen that on school like you do work but you don't you're not around long enough to like see what happens right um so now like my recalls are coming in and i'm like seeing some of my class twos i'm like oh that's like not very pretty so uh definitely uh, definitely a good wake-up call for sure for sure. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, it was great chatting with you and then meeting you. Hopefully, uh, in, the, uh, in the future, we'll do another one. All right. Thank you for having me. Have a great weekend. And I apologize to everyone listening to your podcast about having me on here. <laughs> no, I'm actually, years. I'm excited about this episode. <laughs> I think it's going to do well. Just people, like, people like talking to dentists, man, like listening and seeing what we're up to. And, and uh, you're a great young dentist, so I really, really do appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Take care.